These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate, the dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I am here today with Mahir Zaveri, a former guest and Chronicle reporter who is helping me host the show today. Hey, Mahir. Hey, how's it going? Good. Happy to be back. Just point out. I know. It's what, your third time? Fourth time? I think it's my fourth time. Wow. (laughs) You're actively (laughs) regular. (laughs) So, but here, before we announce our guests, Mm -hmm. I wanted to run something by you. Okay. Every week when I record the show, I always struggle to come up with a clever title. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. Even though Erin Mulvaney, my former co-host, was really good at it, when she left, it just all fell apart. (laughs) Anyway, this morning I was driving to work and a title for the show popped in my head. Wow. Okay. I think it might be good. I want, I want to know what you think. Uh, I want to hear it. You ready? Yeah. Be honest. Okay. Gosh, dome it. <laughs> Gosh, dome it? Yeah, it's good. What do you think? I, I, I love it. You love, I love it? it yeah. Okay. All right. I think it's something that people can like talk about, you know, like, hey, did you hear Gosh, dome it? The other- <laughs> All right, listeners, if you um, if you like it, let me know. Send me a tweet. Tell me your thoughts. And while you're online, listeners, um, go to Apple Podcasts and write a review of the show or just rate us because it's really important thing to do if we want to get other people listening to Looped In. Anyway, enough of that commercial. Um, let's Let's get on to the show. Uh, it's it's probably obvious now that we are going to be talking about the dome, the Astrodome, the eighth wonder of the world, whatever you like to call it. Um, and we have two guests today to help us break down the latest proposal to redevelop the Houston landmark. And first, I want to welcome back James Glassman. James works in the architecture field. He is also an artist, a preservationist, and the author of The Historian Dictionary, an insider's index to Houston. James, welcome back to Looped In. Thanks for having me. So, James, you have a special affinity for the Astrodome, and I would go so far as calling it maybe an obsession a little bit. Can you tell us where that comes from? Well, my preservation group, Historian, is about telling the story of Houston and finding and supporting those great landmarks that make Houston unique. When we started thinking about what was going to go on next at the Astrodome, was was really about the same time that Historian started kicking off. And it was a perfect fit for us as a project because it needed a lot of advocacy. It needed... There were so many great and some crazy ideas out there, and everybody was really confused about what was going on next. And I wanted to make sure that we kept the Astrodome in the hearts and minds of all of Houstonians, all, all of Houston, for that mm-hmm. matter. Okay. And what's your what's your favorite Astrodome story? Uh, <laughs> my favorite. Let me think about that one. Uh, I love uh, the last uh, Astros game in '99. That was terrific when Willie Nelson played. Oh. Uh, I have so many great rodeo memories of seeing, you know, the uh, roping and all the fun stuff. And then the shows, of course, were great. Um, 
Oiler Games were such a great event, too. I don't know about a singular event. Yeah. They all sort of blend together. All right. Well, um, also on the show, we have someone who is new to Looped In. His name is Ryan Walsh. He is the director of projects for the Harris County Sports and Convention Corporation. Ryan Walsh, welcome to Looped In. Thank you all for having me. Thanks for looping me in. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Um, First, uh, let me just say, uh, really, thank you so much for being here. And um, I should mention that today is Go Texan Day, which is this pre-rodeo rite of passage that all we Houstonians have every year. And I sort of dressed a little bit for the day, but Ryan, I was looking you up this morning and on your LinkedIn profile, your picture is all Go Texan. It is. It is. Uh, Would you like to defend that? (laughs) Uh, I'll admit to it. Yeah. No, I grew up in Houston, born and raised. Uh, So few of us left, I think, but uh, just always... It's Southern style is yes. what my mother calls it. So <laughs> not country. She doesn't like country. It's but. very cool. Okay. So Ryan, real quick, what is the Sports and Convention Corporation and what exactly do you do for them? Right. The Sports and Convention Corporation is an entity that was created by Commissioner's Court, Harris County Commissioner's Court, to oversee, manage, deal with, help with um, NRG Park because mm-hmm. NRG Park in its entirety is owned by Harris County. So Obviously, Harris County has a lot of other great things that they're doing, so wanted an entity that could focus on the day-to-day operations and maintenance of the park, and that's what the Sports Corporation is for. Okay, and so that includes the Astrodome and the big football stadium and... Correct. It includes NRG Stadium, NRG Center, NRG Arena, and the Astrodome and all of the encompassing lots. There's about 350 acres out at NRG Park. Wow. All right. And then you recently took this job, right? You used to work for Ed Emmett, the Harris County judge. I Uh, did. I worked for Judge Emmett for seven, almost eight years before that. And it's been about a year and a week that I've been at the sports corporation. Okay. And and what did you do for for the judge? I did a lot of things. Um, Really sort of whatever the judge needed me to do, but a lot of it was sort of special projects. Um, things that uh, weren't a transportation or healthcare or mental health or, or some of the other uh, facets that the judge focuses on. But the dome quickly became one of those. Um, he realized the importance of it. And, mm-hmm. and I have a love for the dome, but also see the practical side of it. So mm-hmm. um, began working on that about five or six years ago mm-hmm. um, and have been, been there ever since working on the dome. Okay. Judge Emmett seems like a really nice guy. Um, I've, I've talked to him a handful of times here. I know you've, you speak to him fairly regularly. Yeah. yeah. Does he have any bad habits or, <laughs> I mean, you, he you has, know him pretty his well. jokes are bad habits, but he would argue with that. Um, <laughs> and just because he has a very dry sense of humor. So uh-huh. if, 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 if you're around him and you don't know him well, he might catch you off guard with a, a punny joke or something like that. And you're just kind of like that, that 
happen. I think that was um, that was a rite of passage for me. Like, oh, a few times. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. I would oh, imagine. you guys, yeah. Like, yes. And people always say he looks so stoic on TV, and he just seems very serious all the time. And he's actually hilarious <laughs> um, once you get to know him, and and it catches a lot of people off guard. His he's yeah. got a great sense of humor, so catches people off guard if you don't know him. Yeah. Again. And and you're talking to him, and he and he cracks a joke, and you're like, uh, I don't know whether to <laughs> laugh or just sit here uncomfortably. But, yeah. um, he's a he's a great man, great family, great man. Good yeah. leader. Yeah. Um, enjoyed working for him and, and working with him on the Dome Project. Well, I keep going in a different direction, but just real quick. And we I forgot, we used to do this on Looped In back when Aaron was here, a joke break. And I heard one recently that I, I think would be appropriate for, for the moment. Here goes. What does a vegan zombie eat? I don't know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Grains. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> that was that was that was good. Just let it sink in. <laughs> maybe you should tell it again one more time. No, maybe louder. Yeah. <laughs> Draw out the green. Maybe the voice. <laughs> that was that was yeah. All right. You can you're welcome to pass it along to Judge Emmett. I am. I'm gonna give it to okay. him. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's let's get to this. The Dome. A couple weeks ago, Harris County Commissioner's Court voted unanimously to move forward with a proposal to turn the Dome into an event space. It could house things like art and music shows, rodeo events, boat expos. And Mahir, you have been covering this story for the Chronicle. Can you tell us how much the county is planning to spend on this renovation? And um, also, what's the controversy? So... At least for this iteration of this project, uh, the number that's getting thrown around a lot is $105 million, and I think that's the number I've been using in my stories, and I think when uh, everything is said and done, it might not be exactly that number, but I think that's the ballpark we can you know, work with. And so that, that's the, the, the cost of basically, as you said, transforming this into a, an event space, as I've, I've sort of termed it. But um, basically what they're doing is they're raising the two floors, uh, uh, what's currently the bottom floor, raising that up two levels and then putting 1,400 parking spaces underneath. And the $105 million, that's the sort of total number. I first reported on this, sort of the big, uh, the big vote on, on this front was a couple years ago in 2016 when uh, Commissioner's Court voted for the design phase of the project. So that's what they've been doing until now, the design phase of the project. And that's the architects and the engineers are looking at, okay, can we actually do this and what's it going to cost? And mm -hmm. I think as the judge has said multiple times, they came back, said, yes, we can do this. This is It's going to cost within this $105 million total cost that we've been throwing around. And so this latest vote was basically to move forward with it. Um, to your point about the controversy, the controversy, I think, is about – Using, I mean, and this I think ties right into Houston's ethos is using property tax funds to sort of transform this thing that people say is just a nostalgic item and, and using sort of the county money to do such a thing when so many people are saying, oh, just tear it down. Like it's mm -hmm. just a waste of money. We don't need to, you know, deal with it anymore. I think what the judge and the county's point is that, well, we can't really tear it down for one because it is a landmark and has sort of state protections on that front. And two, it's a building that exists out there, and maybe we can turn it into something that can make money for us instead of just, you mm -hmm. know, I think they pay $170,000 a year for uh, flood insurance and electricity and things like that right now. So, what, four years now, there was a referendum, uh, the Harris County referendum, where 
They proposed a, I think, $217 million renovation of the dome. Um, and I, I'm not sure if that came with a tax increase or not. I believe it did. And I think that's why people came to the polls and just said, you know, uh, what ended up happening was uh, the voters voted it down. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, a lot of people, including, you know, uh, including members of commissioner's court had said, okay, well, if we're not going to do anything with this, well, maybe maybe the next step is a wrecking ball. And I think a lot of people in that vote had, had sort of interpreted it that way that, okay, we're voting this down. Therefore, that means we're going to tear this thing down. I think that what happened was a little bit more complicated than that. And it's been sitting there to some people's chagrin. And, and I think in the meanwhile, the county's probably been trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do with this? And that's how we've gotten to this point. To, to sort of concisely explain the controversy, I think, if you're a Harris County voter who voted against this bond in 2013 and said, believed that it would be torn, the dome would be torn down. Now you see the county coming back and saying, oh, we're going to spend some money to, you know, turn it into something that might sound vaguely familiar to what you voted against in at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I think that that's kind of where it's coming from. Um, a final thing that I'll say about this is the revenue for this project is being is sort of in three different buckets from mm-hmm. what has been, you know, uh, publicly sort of explained. One is parking revenues um, from, I believe, downtown and other places. Uh, one is hotel occupancy taxes, which I, I believe can only be spent in certain areas or for certain projects. And the third, the other third is general fund revenue that's mostly property taxes, and that's about $35 million. The county's position will be, well, that's about how much it will cost to tear it down anyways. So hmm. if you want it torn down, instead what we're doing is we're going to put that money into this project at the same amount of money, and it's going to make money now in the future. So, mm-hmm. but I think that's sort of where we are right now. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's you- the sixty thousand foot view. And, and you're yeah. absolutely right. And and just for your listeners, there's, I, I brought a Astrodome Reborn booklet that the judge's office had printed out a couple of years ago, which is available online at judgment.org, or it's on the NRG Park website, nrgpark.com. Go to the About Facilities Astrodome, and it's listed there in digital format. But what this booklet does, and which I think will be helpful for a lot of listeners and folks that are just interested in the project, it breaks down exactly where the funding comes from, why, when, all of the details about the project. So I think that would be important, but you're right. The $35 million um, out of the general fund is, is, an, is an important dollar amount because it is actually, in my opinion, less than the amount that it would cost to, to deconstruct the dome. And I say deconstruct because you couldn't implode the dome. It would l- literally have to be taken down by hand because of the proximity to the other building. So it would be an expensive. Not only that, the, the, most everybody knows the playing field is 30 feet below street level. So 30 foot below grade. So you'd have to fill that hole to come up to street level. And you can't just fill it, you know, you can't just go to Joe's dirt farm and get any kind of dirt. I mean, it's, it's from what I understand, and I'm no engineer, an expensive proposition. So once it were, if it were to be torn down, you'd have about mm, maybe five, 600 parking spaces uh, where the dome would sit. Whereas this plan, you save the dome, you generate revenue, but you also have about 1,300 to 1,400 parking spaces that would be added underneath the new event floor. So it's kind of a win-win. I mean, you, you, you get more for your money with this plan than you would just by simply tearing it down. This plan also allows for the Astrodome to be something else in 50 years. You know, once it's gone, it's gone for good. Mm-hmm. This does not drastically alter it into something different. It raises the floor so you walk in at street level and you still have the big room idea. You still have the the, the wonder that you get when you walk in there. You, you still get this great feeling of, 
of what we as Houstonians can do and have done and maybe will do in the future. It's, so it's still there to inspire us, mm-hmm. if not on the sports field, for anybody who walks in will be inspired when they, the next time they come in there. Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, you said it costs about $170,000 to maintain a year? Right, approximately, yeah. Yeah, and so what does that include? You mentioned here flood insurance. Is it in a floodplain? No, it's not. It, it includes flood insurance. All the properties have that. Yep. It also in, covers the liability insurance and things like that, which is really part of the entire park package of insurance. So it's not in policy specifically for the dome. It also does cover maintenance and things like that. You know, there's a, what we call the airplane light on top, the big red light, uh, you know, things like that, Electric electrical costs that come through the Astrodome because some of the power currently... Um, that comes into the park to feed like the arena and some of the parking lot lights and some of the uh, outlets and, and areas that the rodeo uses for outdoor shows comes through the Astrodome substation. So that is technically on that you know meter, so it's, it's listed as that. It's about $160,000, $170,000 a year, which is minimal, of course. And so you guys have done estimations as to how much revenue this can generate do you, do you have any of those figures? We haven't. I don't, to my knowledge, unless the county has some, but there, ha, there haven't been any estimations mm-hmm. of revenue generated. Um, but it is important, and, and it's, it's kind of a little-known fact, is when NRG Stadium was built, and that's when the sports corporation was created as well. But when the stadium was built, um, there is a caveat or clause in, in, in sort of the con- – the contracts that that facilitate that through the funding from the sports authority is that no property tax dollars can be spent on the stadium. So within what we call the postage stamp or the highly restricted area, you can't spend general fund revenue property tax dollars on the stadium. That's important in the dome project is because it is NRG Park is county owned. It is under their purview. It's their responsibility to maintain this, that, and the other. The only way that we can generate revenue is by having events and things like that or some money from the sports authority. Um, so having a revenue-generating asset back on property in the dome would help to offset the costs of maintaining not only the rest of the property but also the stadium that we can't spend property tax dollars on. Mm-hmm. So it really is important for us at the sports corporation because it helps us fulfill our obligations that we have promised the county we would do as caretakers of Energy Park. So I, I'm from California, and I came to Houston about four years ago, and so I don't have any of the nostalgia. I don't have any of the memories of seeing this or that. And you're not alone. There's yeah. a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of folks in town like that. I'm just curious if, I mean, what you guys think of, if it wasn't, if we weren't talking about the Astrodome, if we were talking about just, you know, if somehow, you know, another county, I mean, would we be having this discussion maybe, uh, or, or is there something emotional about this whole discussion that's different um, that that provides sort of another wrinkle. Yeah, I, I would think so. And, and James can speak more onto the his, historical side. But in in my mind, as a native Houstonian, somebody who was born and raised and grew up here, it's it's really a symbol of Houston. I mean, you had this eccentric guy, Roy Hoffine, said, "Let's just do this. It'd be cool," you know. And he made it happen, you know. And it's there. And walking through that building, and I don't know if you've been through there. But the, some of the engineering that they put in that building was well ahead of its time. And my, my favorite is example are the, the seats. There's, there's two sections of seating risers on the side, which goes to baseball and then swings around into football configuration. 
But each of those motors are hydraulic motors, and it's a 10-horsepower motor that pushes these massive pieces to their place. And in, in this day and age, I mean, that, that's just crazy. I mean, it, in that day and age, it was like, you're crazy, but they did it. Um, <laughs> you know, so, that really speaks to the spirit of Houston, that sort of, why not? Let's go and yeah. do this. Um, and I've been trying to find a way in for people, whether it's an emotional connection or a historic preservation angle, whatever your angle, let's get you involved in how we can keep the Astrodome in our conversation. So there are plenty of people who don't give a lick about sports. So I talk to them about Houston's role in, you know, in the 20th century, you know, fabric of America kind of thing. Or if we want to talk about different, uh, you know, technical things, you know, architecture, engineering, how we got that done too, or whether it's social, you know, how Judge Hoffines got it, got it passed. And he, he, he insisted that with the help of African-American leaders, that it would be an integrated facility at a time when we were still figuring out how to do integration. So there are lots of ways for Houstonians to see the greatness in this building. So, and to your point though, um, you know, like being part of Houston's fabric or emotional fabric, isn't there another part of Houston that's very much like, let's move on. Let's, you know, forget nostalgia. We're a practical city. Like we care. You We've know, always been yeah. a forward looking city. Exactly. Yeah. And that's part of what we're doing at Historian is trying to remind people that there is, there is history that's worth knowing about celebrating, but also informing how we move forward. I, I don't want to just live in the past. I love the future. I love new, new things, but we can have both. I, and I, I think if, and granted, I'm biased, and I, I give you that because of my proximity to the project. But I think it, it, it's it's a it's a it's an argument for both sides, both the emotional and the pragmatic. On the emotional, yes, it's the Astrodome. It's the freaking Astrodome. It's it's got to be saved. It's us. It's history. It's 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 an iconic building that really had so many firsts for so many various different things. On the pragmatic side, you've got an old building that is owned by the taxpayers of Harris County. And it makes pragmatic, practical, utilitarian sense to take that and turn it back into a revenue-generating asset. So on both sides of the argument, I think there is a positive. I certainly you know, understand when the, the folks that aren't from here don't understand. They say, well, just tear down this old building. Y'all do it every day. Mm-hmm. But from a fiduciary responsibility side, a fiscal side, and also utilitarian side, the building's perfectly good. It is not decrepit. It is not rotting. It's not full of rats. It's not full of water or mold, any of that. It's not crumbling no matter it's what not. journalist says it is. It is not crumbling. It does have some asbestos in it, doesn't it? It has a little bit of asbestos yeah. left that we are actually removing. Yeah. Um, we, the county actually had a big asbestos uh, remediation uh, project a couple of years ago. I had Most to find of it something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the reporter here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But for the most part, you know, it's it's the bones are solid, solid as a rock. So it makes perfect sense to take it and turn it into something that we can love and cherish as our history and, mm-hmm. and part of who we are as Houstonians, but also on the pragmatic side, use it, you know, use what you got, make it better. And yeah, that's I, kind of our, our viewpoint. I think that speaks to uh, Ed Emmett's leadership that he's able to turn turn a very passionate emotional argument for some into a very logical straightforward conversation about what to do with this this iconic building and i think he's made his point very clear and it's always easy to hear the naysayers they always seem to be louder but i think the people are going to be really delighted when they see what we have in a couple of years 
I have a couple more questions about the numbers, and that's not as fun to talk about, but um, I, I did want to ask. No more jokes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can do that too, but uh, first the numbers. So the the difference between the cost now and back when there was that bond referendum, mm. what's what's the difference? Why is there a $100 million difference? You know, I, I can't answer that I, because I I wasn't involved in the construction planning phases and the design phases of that. But the 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 new dome experience, as it was called back in 2013, was a new floor and basically a filled hole, nothing mm-hmm. underneath it, uh, and then um, some other elements and things like that. Uh, I don't really know where the $217 million price tag was from. I don't recall the numbers. Uh, but this one, I think what we've done is we've taken the new dome experience, learned lessons from it and from the bond referendum that didn't pass and said, we got to make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got something, we've got to do it. How do we make it better? So that's when um, Kirksey Architects, um, who was the lead uh, group that was selected by commissioner's court to do the design, um, really took it down. I mean, they had teams in there for several months straight, just in and out of every crevice of the building saying, what have we got? What do we need? How do we do it? Um, and that's when they came up with the the the, the new plan, I guess. Mm-hmm. The, the one that we're working on now is the event floor at grade and then the two levels of parking underneath. I think the two levels of parking help for a lot of reasons. First of all, you don't have to fill the big hole, uh, but it also allows us to put some structural supports for the event floor mm-hmm. um, without alter, you know, materially changing anything. The scope of the project is a little smaller in that we're only doing levels one through four. So level one, obviously being the playing field, level four is at or about street level, maybe a little higher. Levels five through nine, we're not doing anything with. The county, that's not part of the county's scope on this project. And that's when we hope a group like the Astrodome Conservancy that's been formed will come in after this phase is finished and raise private money, private capital to redevelop those levels into museums, offices, shops, retail, whatever. Um, And we certainly don't know what that will bring, Mm -hmm. but I think that's a big chunk of it is because we're we're really only focusing from the floor down. We just want to get the event floor done so that we can start generating some revenue, have some parking, and the building is saved. We've got the building. Now what we do with it on the upper levels, although as the judge would say, whiz-bang, fancy stuff, um, is for you know others to work on with private dollars that will come at a later date. And we won't even start talking about that until we're all standing in there having a beer, looking up at the ceiling, wondering what we're going to fill in the rest of the building with. I'm really excited about the potential. There's so much acreage in that donut that mm-hmm. we're not even talking about yet that that'll be, that'll be in a few more years once we're inside of it. So, Ryan, did Kirksey then do their exhaustive study and say, we think this can be done for $105 million, give or take? Yeah, uh, essentially. I think there were some very preliminary budget ed- estimates that were done mm-hmm. uh, that we just kind of hobbled together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say hobbled, but I mean, it was experts and stuff putting it all right. together. But then it was Kirksey's role to come back and say exactly what she said is, can we do it? And if we can, how? Mm-hmm. What, what What's the design? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. They worked with uh, a whole team of folks from Kirksey, Wiley Engineering, and um, Walter P. Moore, and uh, a large group of folks that sat down literally at tables of 40 people mm-hmm. and said, 
here's what we got. Mm-hmm. Let's make it work. And I think the commissioner's court vote says they can spend up to 105 million, and it could be lower, less than that. Sure. But, and if, it, sure. but if, as some people I'm sure are concerned about, if it goes more than that, then you would have to take another vote potentially. Or exactly, you know, yeah. anything over 105 million dollars would have to go back to commissioner's court. But you're absolutely right. So the construction manager at risk that the county brought on, which is Vaughn Construction, um, their job is to sort of wrangle and manage. Um, all of the various uh, contractors and engineers and things and take those estimates, file them down, rework them, say, here's what works, here doesn't, and get a good number. And then they take it out for bid. So once we go out to bid for the project, it could come in at 90, 95 million. Who knows? So it's very, very likely or very possible that it could come down under the 105 million. When we heard about that the commissioner's court had uh, approved the uh, the budget, in the preservation, this was the clearest sign in the preservation community that the Astrodome was in fact saved. We'd had various landmarks statuses put onto it, but some of some of those are a little fuzzy as far as protection. When we found out that it was approved, we were all ecstatic, and we knew that the building was safe. I think. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this would be too bold, but everyone was uncomfortable with it just sitting there. I mean, sure, and nothing happening. Like, yeah. Sure, even if you wanted to tear it down, even if you wanted to do something with it, just leaving it there was sort of year after year. Yeah, it was sort if there's of this, one aspect of this whole thing everybody yeah. agreed on. Yeah. Something's got to be done. Yeah. Something's got to be done. And you know, when, whenever I would get stuck talking to somebody about you know this these naysayers, I would tell them how much it would cost to knock it down and fill in the hole. And in I heard some estimates up, upwards towards $80 million. And because of its proximity to the football stadium, I completely agreed with that. This building was very well built. It is not crumbling. It's a little it's a little dingy, but it got painted a few years ago in time for the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's, it's not falling down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those, with that figure, just because we are also in a time where we're, we've got a labor shortage and, construction supplies are in sure. high demand right now because we're rebuilding our city after Harvey. And um, it, it's it's something that I know we'll, we'll all be watching. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good time for those that do start construction on the dome to take that same Roy Hoffine spirit. Here's what we got. Let's make it work and make it awesome. So I'm, I'm very hopeful and positive that, that the folks working on it um, will look at this and say, this is something we've got to do and we're going to do it right, but we're not going to break the bank doing it. So, mm-hmm. And so from here, where where do we go? What's the next step? The next step, uh, the vote has been passed, so mm-hmm. it is a go. Now Vaughn Construction, the construction manager at risk, is w- going through their estimates with Kirksey and all the other team. Um finding out the best way to start construction. There's a couple of items that we're going to do early on this year, uh, sort of some maintenance things that would have been required anyway, some fixing of some sections of the roof, uh, the removal of the rest of the asbestos, um, a couple of electrical things that needed to be done. And then in construction would begin in earnest in the fall. Um, and that would include the initial demo of levels one through four seating risers. In between all that time, I think it's important to note too, and James mentioned it, is in January of 2017, it was designated a state antiquities landmark by the Texas Historical Commission. So what that means is anything we do to the dome, 
um, we need to apply for a permit from the Texas Historical Commission that has to be approved by their architecture and design division. So in between the reworking of the numbers that, that Vaughn is doing now, the county is going to go to the Texas Historical Commission and present their plan, the, the plan in the book here, and say, here's what we want. Uh, what do you think? Um, and maybe some back and forth discussions, what have you, but we've been in close contact with historical commission from day one saying, keeping them updated saying, here's what we're thinking. Just want to keep you guys in the loop. So the ultimate, um, I guess, decision is the application of the permit to THC, which they will knock on wood approve. And then once that happens, construction will begin in earnest. When do you see that happening or when do you see the uh, submitting that, that application? I'm not sure. I know that uh, discussions have started within the county as far as how are we going to present this, that, and the other. So I, I, I don't have a timeline at all. I would imagine it would be, I mean, it's got to be before construction starts, so within the year, within six months or so. To the credit of, of the modest character of this project, we're not turning it into a ski slope. We're, we're not painting it orange. You know, it's mm-hmm. still going to look exactly the same. It's still going to look the same when you're inside, mostly. So it's it's not a drastic alteration. Mm-hmm. And it should be done 2020, right? That's when we're right. expecting That's this the thing construction to open, schedule. open its doors, the new Astrodome. Right. Reborn. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, yes, 2020. Um, and before all that, there's an event, I believe, in April that's being – it has been – I'm not sure if it's totally been planned, but uh, I was talking to uh, – the folks at the Astrodome Conservancy, and it's April 9th, and Nancy, I think you'll like this. They told me it was uh, t- entitled a, a Dome Coming. <gasps> oh. Gosh, dome it. Would you look at that? <laughs> dome, sweet dome. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think, and I think, you know, because um, there was that event, uh, what, a couple years ago now? where we, the, birth, the 50th the, birthday the party. Birthday party. Right. There's like a lot of people that showed up for that. About um, 26,000, 25,000 people. Mahir, I'm convinced any naysayers, if you give them, if you just let them walk into the Astrodome right now, I think they'd get it. <laughs> and that's why these events, these public events, the birthday and what's coming up in a few weeks, I think it's it's an easy argument. Just stand inside and look up and you'll get it. And so I, I didn't ask all the questions about the details on that, and I believe they were still being ironed out when I wrote the story a couple of weeks ago, but do we know anything more about that event or what's going to happen? Was, is it going to be like a, everyone come on down to the Astrodome or? or is I know the Conservancy is still planning it. Okay. Um, and I haven't talked to them about the specific details. Um, but from my understanding, um, and the Conservancy can tell you more obviously, but yeah, it's, it's open to the public. It's free parking, which is great mm-hmm. at Energy Park. Um, and it's an opportunity to come see the dome. So, um, but as far as whatever else is entail, that entails, they'll, I'm sure they'll announce details at some so point. So this is maybe a sort of a kickoff party or instruction? Could we call I, it that? Yeah, or? I mean, I think uh, you call it the groundbreaking or whatever. I, I'm sure there'd be a more formal ceremony at some later date, but... Uh, and I think they were telling me, you know, they want people to get a look inside of it before, constru- before it's shut down for basically two years, you know, so... yeah. Okay. Well, that was a, a pretty informative conversation. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. For, Thank you. For all you guys for joining me today. Usually it's not such a big crowd, but um, I'm glad you were here. And before we let you go, Brian Walsh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We no usually like to do something at the end of our conversations called a lightning round. 
lightning round. Okay. Yes, where we ask you a series of questions and you have to answer them lightning fast. All right. You up for that? Sure. Mihir, do you have some questions ready? Uh, no, but uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> lightning round for everyone. Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. Yeah, James has been through this drill, so we're going to let him... Um, uh, Just sit back and listen. Thanks, James. Uh, I'll do it again, but I mean, Ryan should do it. Yeah, I will start. Favorite activity at the rodeo? Food. Least favorite activity at the rodeo? Food. <laughs> favorite food at the rodeo? Food. <laughs> All of it. There's nothing that I don't like there. It's it, my girlfriend's like, I just. Just walk a lot when you're out there, please. <laughs> I, I just want to go and have that big turkey leg. That's the all turkey I want. leg, but actually, there's a couple of the the Mexican restaurants that they have the best freaking quesadillas you've ever had. Oh yeah. So for some reason, they're better than in their restaurants. There, there's something about the the wood fire grill maybe. or something, but they're oh my gosh. Good. Uh, did you not hear lightning round? Is it? No. <laughs> I, hey, <laughs> you mentioned food. <laughs> all right, all right. And I'm going to take a minute to talk about. I know food. you're right. Actually, what. Do you remember what Mexican place that was? Because <laughs> I want to go. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it was the Papacitas booth has the best case. Okay. Those Greeks make great Tex-Mex. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me if I'm taking your question, but go I feel away. like this is a good segue to ask what your favorite food at a Mexican restaurant is. Classic. Queso. Queso and fajitas. Can't beat it. Coffee or tea? Coffee. And iced tea, though. Which one? Both. <laughs> Unsweetened. <laughs> Unsweetened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Coffee in the morning, black, mm-hmm. iced tea the rest of the day. Is there a seasonal variation to that, perhaps? Or? No. No, okay. All right. Um, some Glassman-inspired questions. Favorite 34? Nolan Ryan. Oh. I knew he'd get it. Yeah. I thought Nolan I was going to have to say Nolan Ryan, Hakeem Olajuwon. Earl Campbell. Or Earl Campbell. I, do, I am a fan of the the, the Earl and, and Hakeem for U of H ties because I went to University of Houston. Um, Earl Campbell because all of my family except my sister and me went to the University of Texas. Um, Tyler Rose, then, yeah. But Nolan Ryan. You just can't beat Nolan Ryan. Uh, where were you when the Astros won the World Series? I was at home on my couch with my girlfriend. And we're, we're not night owls by any stretch of the imagination. So staying up late for those games – was was a real task for us, but we did it. And watching them win, win the series, oh man, it was incredible. Something as a native Houstonian, never thought I would see. Not to their dismay, but it was incredible. Loved it. Where were you, Mayor? I was. Gosh, where was I? I can't remember because I actually covered a lot of these games, mm-hmm. and some of the games I was out talking to people about the games while they were happening. So I believe I was. Where was I? Was I in the office? I can't even remember, honestly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the games I was in this in Minute Maid Park, however, and that was oh, something yeah. to see. I mean, that like, I wish I would have loved to have had the chance to do that. Feel like I mean, I've been there for a bunch of Astros games and it's a lot of the day games and lot, we were downtown. We had an office downtown, so we I think I'd walk over there and, you know, there'd be a few people there or, you know, it'd be like totally empty. But seeing That's it awesome. full and just, you know, full of energy, I mean that oh, I know where I was. I was at Minute Maid Park because we were. I was watching. I was watching it on the big screen there, and that's where I was with all the people. You're with all the people. That's yeah, right. getting yeah. reaction. Awesome. And, yes. Yeah. Okay. And that was something to see too. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet that must have been fun. Lots of adrenaline. Yeah. What were we doing? Oh, right, lightning <laughs> round. Um, favorite Houston building. Really? Oh, sorry. That was a that was a dumb question. Gosh, dome it, Nancy. <laughs> Gosh, dome it. <laughs> 
right. Well, maybe we should just leave it at that. Yeah, that, was that, that, that was a good ending. That was a good ending. Um, thanks again, Ryan and James. Thank you all for having me. Appreciate Thank you. It. Yeah, and Mahir. Yeah. And I, I reiterate one more. If anybody's interested in more information, judgment.org is on the booklet is online and also energypark.com under the about facilities, Astrodome, and then the booklets there. And if you're really keen on helping, there's this great group that Mahir mentioned, the Astrodome Conservancy, and they love to raise money and show you what they want to do. And they've got some really neat ideas and it's a really energetic crowd. And um, I, I encourage you to look them up online and give as much as you can, whether it's time or money. All right. Well, with that, thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And please give us a rating. It helps other people find Looped In. And if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach me on Facebook or Twitter. I am at Sarnoff. Thanks, everybody. 